What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Rovers Academy podcast. I'm pleased to say we've got another guest on. We're doing quite well for guests at the moment. Uh, this time we've got a player. Jay, how are you doing? Hi Andy, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So this is Jay Haddo um, in the 23s and the 18s at the moment, mixing between the two squads. Um, we are talking at 1pm on a Saturday, which is usually a very heavy football day for, for footballers, football fans. Um, how come it is that you get the time off on a, on a Saturday? Yeah, so actually this week we haven't got a game on Saturday, so it's pretty rare. We Usually we have games on Saturdays, but this week we haven't got a game, so we've been given Saturday off. So... It's a Saturday. You, are you, are you, should you be watching the Man City Wolves match? Is that something you usually do? Yeah, actually, I'm a Wolves fan, so I should be watching the match, but um, I'm speaking to you here. But uh, yeah, I've supported Wolves for quite a few years now, and um, they've done quite well, to be honest, over the years. Uh, seeing where they were in the Championship and even down at League One to, that, to now be a Premier League team, uh, they've, they've done pretty well. Yeah, it's one of those, it's a bit like Rovers in the fact that they were obviously a Premier League team and then they dropped, you know, further down than their fans would have wanted and certainly came back up stronger. Um, and that's obviously what we're hoping to do as a club as well. And obviously at the moment, sitting in fourth position as we speak is, uh, is a really good place for the senior club to be. And I, I presume you guys kind of feel that as well down in the academy that, you know, it's a good place to be around at the moment. Definitely. The first team are doing very well compared to last season. Last season, obviously, they weren't doing too well towards the back end of the season. Uh, but this year, they're doing very well. So from the academy, we look at that. And uh, also because the 18s are doing well, too. So it's, it's good for the club. Uh, I think we're doing very well as a club. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely a good feeling around the place. Um, I spoke to Stuart Jones on Thursday and I'll reference a couple of things that he said as we go because it relates to obviously you guys. Um, but he certainly seems very positive about the direction of the academy as well as the direction of the first team. So it's really good. And I think, you know, people listening to this will be pleased that you kind of feel that as well as we do. So, um, Jay, you've got a very interesting kind of story, which is why I thought you'd be an excellent podcast guest to come on so thank you for for spending your time away from wolves um today to speak to me um hopefully it won't keep you too long but i just wanted to take you back to well i don't want to take you back to 2004 um because you won't remember anything but i was at university then already and um, so it kind of sickens me that we've got footballers there uh, when i went to university but obviously you weren't born in this country you were born in hong kong and you started playing football there as well so <sighs> I guess where I want to start is, what was it like kind of growing up there? A, is there still kind of a strong British influence, even though it's been back in China's hands for quite some time now, 20 years, I suppose, before you were born? And secondly, how did football become part of your life in, in that country? Yes, I was born in Hong Kong, and um, Hong Kong even now is still uh, heavily populated with foreigners. There's a lot of foreigners mm. over in Hong Kong, 
and I grew up in a foreign society. Um, I knew a lot of other foreigners who were living in Hong Kong expats and uh, the village where we lived in had like local football teams where we'd go and play with people who I knew from school and people who I grew up with. And from there, I sort of found a love in playing football and um, just training every day, really, just as a little kid, trying to get better while also going to school also um, as a little boy. And um, since I've just sort of wanted to pursue it. Yeah, absolutely. I guess like all of us did. And, and, and you know, I can, I can certainly see that. And you started playing with Kitchi, is that right? That's right. So when I was around nine years old, I signed for Kitchi. So Kitchi is um, it's a top professional team in Hong Kong. So I, I signed for the academy over there. And um, it was sort of a step up from the local team that I was playing at because it meant that I had to leave all my mates um, that I knew from school and travel every day, pretty much every day to the other side of Hong Kong, which isn't that far to us. It's only about an hour and a half. Um, mm. But I had to travel to train with local players who I needed to know. And obviously, we didn't, I didn't speak any Cantonese and they didn't speak much English. So there was a bit of a, a barrier there, but we got on really well. And I was there for about four years. And did you find that the old adage is true that football is a global language and you're able to kind of like communicate via football with people even though you didn't speak the language? No, definitely. They spoke, they spoke decent, they spoke all right English. So we were able to communicate not as well, not as well as, you know, my mates from uh, the local football team in my school, but, um, you know, on the pitch, it, it was completely different. We had a good relationship on the pitch with each other and, um, you know, everyone, we played well together. Yeah. Do you have strong feelings about your kind of nationality? Because, it, you know, we'll, we'll develop this further, but you don't have a Hong Kong passport. Um, but obviously you spent the, all of your childhood there. Is there, a, is there a strong kind of feeling towards back home? Oh, definitely. I, I love Hong Kong. You know, that this, that's where I lived for 12 years before moving over here to the UK. Um, you know, I've got lots of friends back in Hong Kong and lots of people who support me and have helped me a lot in this journey so far. So I'm very thankful for everyone in Hong Kong and, um, you know, Hong Kong means a lot to me. And so does, I suppose, your other nationalities as well. Just tell us a little bit about kind of your multinationalism. You can play for quite a few countries. That's right, yes. So I can represent Japan, uh, England and Scotland. So Scotland and England through my dad and Japan through my mum. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of lean towards, you would rather play for Japan. You identify kind of quite strongly with, you get excited about the prospects of potentially playing for Japan, if that ever became an opportunity for you. Yeah, definitely. That's, um, it's always been my dream to play for Japan since I was a little boy. Um, I was actually invited to a camp uh, in January this year, but it, it got cancelled due to COVID. Mm. Um, so obviously since then, I've just been working hard trying to get another camp, but it's all messed up at the moment with COVID, but hopefully it gets on the right track soon. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's something that's affecting a lot of people. I'm sorry that it's affected you in such a way, but as you say, if you keep working hard, I'm sure that that opportunity will reappear um, when when people manage to get a handle on this um, situation. Um, that's, that's really interesting. I think a lot of people will be surprised that you'd rather kind of look to play for Japan rather than Scotland or England, but it's the way that people feel about themselves and it's the way that people identify um, with themselves as well. Because, you know, I think, you know, just touching on multinationalism as a, as a topic in general, um, it, I think it can, can be quite difficult for people who were born here and, have all, and, and don't have that kind of choice to think about other cu cultures and countries. Um, 
when you have conversations with people about that, including your peers, are, are they also taken by surprise with the way that you feel about, you know, Japan or Hong Kong? Maybe not Hong Kong because you're born and, and lived there, but about Japan rather than England or Scotland? I think some people can be quite surprised with the choice um, picking Japan over, let's say, England. Uh, but I think some of them obviously understand that obviously it is my choice and however I feel about the certain country. So representing Japan, I feel representing Japan for me, I would prefer that over representing England or Scotland. Uh, but that doesn't rule out chances over there potentially if that is the case. Um, but for me, my preferred um, choice would be Japan. Yeah. Uh, it's good that, that people can at least understand it and, and have good conversations about it. And the more conversations I think that people have around differences and choices is is a benefit to society in general. So you're playing with Kichi. Um, how does how do you want to then develop? You, you join there at under nines, you kind of 11, 12 years old, and you realise that you kind of want to take your football to the next step. Um, I believe that Aston Villa then came calling how did that all kind of come about for you that's right so i was playing in hong kong and all of a sudden i got invited to uh go to aston villa uh for just a two-week uh training sessions over uh, a summer period and um that was great for me to be honest that's that's one of the best um football moments for me because it really opened my eyes in what the level especially cat one football in england was like and to see what other kids my age around the world was like in terms of football ability like I said it really opened my eyes because when I got back to Hong Kong it made me sort of work even harder and more motivated because you know I wanted to get on their level uh, because I knew that I was still uh, far behind um, so it just made me work harder and that's also what sort of motivated me like I said to to get to England to uh, take the next step really. So how did Aston Villa contact you did they see did a scout see you or were you recommended by Kitchi or how did that work? I think I was recommended through a school teacher. So there was a school teacher who I used to um, who used to teach me, and uh, I think he had a few connections uh, with Villa, and managed to sort out a training camp with them. Because there's talent everywhere, of course, and I imagine that Hong Kong is quite a hotbed of talent. The technical level over there, did you find that to be similar? Was it mainly a physical thing um, that you found different in England? I'd say definitely technical and physical is obviously behind over there. Um, Physical is much more behind, definitely. Uh, that's something that I had to get used to moving over to England. Um, you know, being a defensive player as well, I needed to get much more physical, more aggressive, and just deal with the physicality that England had to offer uh, because it is um, much, much stronger than Hong Kong. And then did Rovers get involved as well? How did the link to Blackburn come about? So when I moved to England, I went to uh, Morton School in Cliverham, and um, I was boarding there for about uh, three years in the end. And through the school, they had a partnership with Blackburn. And about a week into starting school, I was offered a uh, trial to go to Blackburn. So when I went on trial, I, I think about three weeks later, I got signed. So it was a very smooth transition into England, uh, which which was great for me. Because um, that because, must have been a big risk coming, yeah. o coming over. And was it, I mean, I don't want to get too personal. Did, did Were you sent on your own or did your whole family come over, siblings and things like that? Well, my dad came over for two months at the start, and then after a month uh, being at the school and settle, settling in, uh, he went back to Hong Kong because he has work over there. Uh, so I was here myself. And then in the uh, the summer and winter breaks, I'd go back to Hong Kong, and then the half-term, they'd come over. 
Okay, so but it's still a big risk and uh, I suppose big responsibility to to realise you wanted to come over by yourself at, at that age as well. And I suppose it's no surprise now that you kind of volunteered to come on the podcast and the way that you speak is so mature. I can I can kind of see where that's coming from now. Um, and it's really great that Rovers kind of got involved with with that and it was a smooth transition. And and let's kind of talk about education and football and how that mixes together because I think through this series of podcasts i think people if you listen to them all you'll understand how much blackburn's staff seem to want to develop you guys as it, footballers yes but also as individuals is that something that you found through the development program at blackburn that you are looked after quite holistically yeah i'd say we're looked after very well um there's definitely lots of staff in the different uh you know sections of the academy so there's lots of sports science staff psychologists chefs, nutritionists, et cetera. And they're all here to help us, obviously. If you go speak to them, they'll they'll have the time to speak to you and they'll sort of, you know, build plans for you to get better, whether that's sort of psychologically or in the gym, out on the pitch, et cetera. They'll, they'll make the time to obviously make you, uh, make you a better person and footballer. Yeah, and when you're kind of young, when you're 12, 13, 14, um, how much time do you spend in the facility, in the academy? Are you on like a day release sort of thing? Yeah, so the first couple of years from under 13s to under 16s, we'd train several times a week, so three or four times a week. And one of the days would be a whole day. And so we'd miss school and do like a day release at, at the academy. Um, and then obviously games on the weekends, whether that's Saturday or Sunday. But you still got the chance to continue. Did you catch up your education that you miss out on, on, the, on the fourth, on the one day that you don't go? So you still get the chance to kind of carry on your full-time education for that? Yeah, we got we got chances to uh, catch up on education. We brought in some homework, and we do it at day release. We spend an hour and a half doing it at day release. Uh, but also living at the school, yeah, I had plenty of time to to catch up on work in the evenings. Yeah, of course. Um, is that important to you? Was it important to you and your family that your education was very important in terms of not? I don't know that you were obviously you're committed to being a footballer, but a lot of people find their education kind of can suffer. Were you adamant that? education wasn't going to suffer for you uh if i'm being honest um speaking to my parents and myself it was just more like just making sure that i passed my grades and yeah. um you know as long as i'm not falling behind on anything as long as i can pass um that was the main thing um for me you know football football is very important we obviously know education we need to fall back on if football doesn't work out because it's not going to work out for everyone uh but for me it was just more of just passing and just making sure i wasn't falling behind yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you do have to commit to football if you're going to become a professional. So I can certainly understand both sides of it. I used to be a teacher. I guess that's why I, I'm asking quite a bit about education. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on to pure football then. Uh, we'll talk about the current group that you were in, um, the under-18s. Obviously, you're playing for the 23s as well, but let's just start with the, the group of the 18s. Um, you've, you say you've been kind of connected to that group now since under-12s. So... And having spoken to Stuart Jones, he mentioned that this group has actually been quite together for most of you all the way through. Um, do you have quite a strong bond now within that group? Yes, we have an extremely strong bond. Uh, we've achieved a lot, this group, uh, the second year scholars, we've achieved a lot uh, over the last few years. You know, in under-14s, we got to the, the final of the uh, national tournament. And in under-16s, we got to the semi-final of the national tournament, losing to Arsenal in the semis. Uh, so we've achieved a lot, this group, and we've we've always been together. We've got a very tight bond. 
Arsenal went out of the FA Youth Cup this week. I don't know if you saw that. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, to Colchester United as well, 3 0. I wonder what happened there. I would love to have watched that game yeah. um, just to see what happened. Um, so, yeah, so it's good that you get a, a, a good bond together. But I presume kind of your season this season is now kind of. Is it focused on getting more under twenty three game time? Because you've you've had a few appearances now, including last week against Manchester United, where you should have had a couple of assists, and uh, not because you did a bad thing, but because maybe it wasn't finished off in the way that you you would hope. But is that where you see your kind of next step now? Is getting more under twenty three game time? I think so, definitely. You know, eighteens as a team, you know, we're doing very well with top of the league. Um, but personally, obviously, you want you want to try and play as much twenty threes as you can and try and progress up and ultimately everyone wants to get a pro contract that's the main goal um but yeah as much 23 um time as possible that that would be great um but obviously that comes with a lot of hard work yeah and judging by what Stuart Jones was saying in the podcast which is coming out in the next couple of days um it certainly seems to be a goal of the club that the league position doesn't matter so the fact that you're in 23 bottom of the league and that you're going to take 18 to top of the league they don't really care about that. It's about the individual players and their progression going forward. And he wants to reduce the age of the under-23s and also probably the 18s by default. So hopefully you do get that game time. What is the difference that you feel when you play for the under-23s that's different to the under-18s? Definitely the speed. Uh, the speed and physicality. That, that's something that you have to get used to uh, making the jump. But it's the same sort of with 16s and 18s. But 18 to 23 is just a much sort of higher jump. Um, the speed of the ball, the speed of the players, the physicality, all that. Um, obviously, that's something you need to cope with uh, moving up. And that's something that I'm still learning. Um, you know, I've played, I've had a few appearances, but I'm still learning how to cope with the speed and, and dealing with it. Yeah. And we've mentioned, we've talked briefly in the past about kind of your game. And maybe you feel like you need to improve your attacking outlets a, a bit more. Um, how do you kind of envisage doing that? Is that through solid training or is that through kind of more match practice? I think it's definitely a, a bit of both. Uh, you know, we can do lots of training, uh, you know, final third, crossing, finishing, etc. But uh, it all sort of counts in the games, really. So in games, maybe taking more risks uh, when I'm in the opposition half. Uh, getting more crosses in, getting more shots, etc. Um, because last season, we, you know, we were playing in a back four 18s and I was playing uh, fullback um, and I was pretty defensive. Whereas this season with the 18s, we've changed to playing wingbacks. So I've had to be more attacking and um, relied upon um, in terms of going forward. So I have, you know, improved quite a bit on attacking side, but there's definitely lots more to improve. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we briefly talked about this. Tony Mowbray, obviously, you, you must see the first team training and you've probably been involved in a few sessions now. I would I would hazard a guess. I don't know if that's for sure. Yeah, a, a few sessions, uh, especially helping up with shape um, before a game. So we'll, we'll help him fill numbers for shape. Yeah, exactly. And so you obviously understand, you know, the game is moving so that we're very flexible. And obviously, we'll be playing the back four. We've played about that probably about half the games. But at the moment, we're quite stuck into this five at the back with wing backs. So do you see that and, and realise in your head that I need to be flexible to be able to play those two positions or possibly even a third centre back, depending on how they want the centre backs to play? Yeah, definitely. I think it's extremely important to be versatile, especially in the modern game. Um, I've played the, the right side of a three for the 18s as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, 
with the first team playing back three or uh, back four, you know, you got to be able to be able you got to be able to play, you know, right wing back, right back, or centre out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I watched the FA Cup game against Birmingham, the FA Youth Cup game, I should say. Uh, obviously, that for those of you that were watching this and, and didn't see that, that was a five-one victory for Blackburn over Bir- uh, Birmingham in the third round of the FA Youth Cup. You played right wing back that day. Um, what was the feeling ahead of the game, and uh, were you feeling very confident as a group? And then, as the game began. Obviously, we started very well. Um, how did it feel being part of the FA Youth Cup? Is it a slightly different energy to the the Premier League games? Definitely, it's um, definitely it's it's definitely like a um, a prestigious tournament. It's known everywhere around the world. Um, you know, FA Youth Cup this year we went in very confident. Last year we went in and we weren't doing very well in the league. We weren't as confident last year. So the difference between last year and this year was uh, pretty incredible. Where you know, we were extremely confident going in, uh, and we know that on our day we can beat any any other eighteens team. And it's Stoke City next in the next round. Um, have you started preparations for that? I mean, it's a few it's a few games to go before then. But is there already preparations and talk amongst you guys um, for that game? Definitely, there's lots of talks uh, about it. They've, they've published a few of Stoke City's games on our um, on Huddle, where we watch videos of other opponents. Um, but we've played Stoke many times over the years, so we know what to expect. We know that they're going to be very physical, they're going to be aggressive, and they're going to want it a lot. Um, so we know we know what we're going into. Yeah. Um, just I wasn't going to touch on this, but you mentioned it in your last answer. You talk about using Huddle. Um, is that is that programmed? Is that kind of within your weekly schedule that you get specific time to do that? Or is that more of a personal thing that you can access it as much as you want? It's something that they encourage us to do a lot. So it, it's something that we can access whenever we want. Uh, all of our games are published on there and we're expected to make our own clips after games to analyze our performances, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that we've done in the game. And uh, you know, we'll watch back clips, we'll do analysis sessions during the week, um, leading up to games or after games. And it's just very good to sort of get an analysis with the with using the analysts and using the coaches to see um, you know what you've done well and what you haven't done too well. I think that I think people will find that fascinating. It's down um, in all of our academy scenes as well. Obviously, people expect that in the first team, but for it to be down um, at your level as well is really good. Um, let's just kind of finish off then and wrap things up with talking about goals and goal setting. Um, I'm a big one for having achievable goals and you know, kind of having them timed as well. Is that something that you do? Do you have a short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, or do you just kind of work on a more ad hoc basis? I I like to work at short-term goals. The one long-term goal is really to make sure that I have no regrets. Right. Yeah. That's that's the that's the only long-term goal that I have. Um, but short-term goals, um, just trying to just trying to be consistent every day, working hard. Um, that's a goal. And getting as many minutes as possible with 23s. Uh, and there is good competition at 23s, which only makes you work harder. But that, that's the goal. That's the short-term goals at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose having those performance-based goals um, is, is sensible as well, because you can't always control results, right? So um, as long as you're controlling your own attitude and performance, then um, hopefully the results will come at the end of that. Yeah. Um, 
thank you so much for, for kind of giving us your time this afternoon. I can, you can get back to Wolves. I don't know what the score is, but obviously they're away at Man City, so it might be a, a tricky one for them, a tricky assignment. Um, speaking of tricky assignments, do you know if you're going to be, going to be playing a, another 23s game next, or are you going to be back with the 18s, or is that kind of thing um, only decided close to the matches? Yeah, it's pretty undecided. Um, you know, they wait for the first team, any players dropping down potentially. Um, mm. But ideally, hopefully, but we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I'll let you get off. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your time. And hopefully we'll see you playing in a Rover shirt very soon. Thanks very much, Andy. Thank you. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Planning on travelling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 